You guys look good this morning. I am, um, it's, it's great that this Sunday fell on our letter S, send, find, intercede, network, invest, send, and harvest. You know, like I said, sometimes we think of send, we think of just the go into all the world. Well, guess what? Maryville is a part of the world, and Tennessee is a part of the world. <laughs> and so we need missionaries that can reach our community as well. Amen. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two or in pairs. And he gave them power over unclean spirits. And he commanded them to take nothing for the journey except a staff. That reminds me of a song. Well, I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. I got to make it to heaven somehow. Though the devil tempt me and he tries to turn me around. He's offered everything that's got a name, all the wealth I want. And worldly fame, if I could, still I wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. You know, if I keep singing these old songs, y'all going to think I'm old. <laughs> but it does let you know what, um, what generation I grew up in. <laughs> and I still wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. Amen? says, he commanded them to take nothing for the journey except the staff. No bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Also, he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you, when you depart from there, Shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that people should repent. Verse 13, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Father, I pray, God, that as you have called us together... Lord, that one, we will walk as disciples. Two, that we'll be willing to reach those that we come in contact with. That we'll recognize that you have sent us into the world. Your word even says this. That you did not call us out of the world. But Lord, you have placed us here for purpose. Lord, help us to be that, walk in that purpose that you've called we give you the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So he called the twelve to himself. He began to send them out in pairs. And in another scripture says, in Matthew chapter 10, 16, says, Behold, I send you out as sheep into the midst of the wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpent and harmless as doves. You know, when he began to send them out, we have to recognize that John 20 and 21, he, Jesus, uh, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Think about it. Jesus went into the community and he served, he loved, he cared, he was compassionate, and he preached the message. Amen? And so just as the Father has sent Jesus Christ, 
Jesus is sending us into this world. And when I think about that Jesus is sending us as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you, I, I, I look at this scripture and I go back to the beginning of Mark chapter 6 and I see uh, Jesus talking about how he entered into his own land, his own town, his own country, if you will. And how many know that sometimes when we're sent into our own people, they don't respect us? I remember, uh, I remember when I first got saved, and, and uh, it, it was kind of hard dealing with in ministry because people didn't trust me. They knew who I used to be. They knew the foolishness that I had been into. They knew my past, and, 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 and though they had seen God do a work in me, there was a proving ground that, that needed to be done. And sometimes I feel like we're walking in a proving ground, Right? We're walking through some tests to see will we be able to fulfill what God has called us to. And, and, and when I look at what Jesus said, uh, when he stood up in the synagogue there in verse 2 of, of Mark chapter 6, it says, many listeners were astonished, saying, where did this man get these things? You know, when I look at that word astonished, it is the word scandalon. In other words, they looked at Jesus as if he was a scandal. Another way to uh, use that word scandalon is bait stick or offense. In other words, here they were looking at Jesus and they were offended. Like, who do you think you are standing in front of us preaching this message? We know who you are, right? Isn't that how the world sometimes looks at us? Is that sometimes how we're sitting at our desk at our job or we're working on the line and, and we're trying to be the example that God's called us to be, and we go to share a little word, and they're saying, who do you think you are? They get offended. Are you judging me? None of y'all have heard that before, have you? The reality is, is that Jesus has called us. And just as they looked on him with, with the audacity of, why would you be speaking to us? They will look at you and they will, they will respond in similar ways. And it goes on and says that, and what is this wisdom given to him? And such miracles this, these performed by his hands. Verse 3 says, is this not the carpenter? You know, uh, they wasn't, you know, trying to uh, encourage Jesus here. Around here, you know, when we say, aren't you a carpenter? That's a, that's a big deal. That's a good, that's, that's a blessing, right? And we've got some amazing carpenters around here. The word carpenter is more general in this passage. It's, just, it's builder. When you think about in Jesus' days, yes, they did some woodwork, woodwork, but they actually did a lot of stuff with stone. And so it's more than likely that Jesus after the passing of Joseph, stayed home to provide for his mother and brothers and sisters, right? And so Jesus was known in the community that he was a builder. This guy's, this guy's good at what he does. He's a builder. He's a carpenter. And so they look at him and say, well, dude, I know who you are. I mean, you're the one that carved that little thing for me last week. Who do you think you are now, Right? And then he goes on and says, this is the son of Mary. Now, this could be looked at at two different ways. It could be looking the fact that they could still identify Jesus as an illegitimate child. 
many may recognize that Jesus, come on, was maybe they were looking at the fact that, hey, Joseph should have put that woman away. That illegitimate child, right? Maybe they could have been thinking of, of that and, and how, he, how he's illegitimate. And th therefore, if he's illegitimate in that way, who is he to be speaking to us? Different ways we can look at it, right? And it goes on, says, in verse 3 at the end, it says, And they took offense at him. And Jesus tells us, as, I'm, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. Look, not everybody's going to accept your message. Not everybody's going to get on the same page with you. You're, when you walk in, just because you feel like you have a good message, just because you look good, just because you have the personality that just reaches everybody, doesn't mean that everybody's going to walk in line with what you say. It doesn't mean that they're going to accept the message that you give. Yes, your message is powerful. Yes, the message that you have is anointed. Yes, the message you have is something that would give them life and cause them to walk in truth and be whole and well and all those things, but not everybody wants what you have. We can declare, go, 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 and we can send as many as we want to, but you have to understand what you're walking into. Jesus even told them, in John 14 and 12, he says, Most surely I say to you, he who believes in me, that the works that I do, greater works than these will you do because of my Father. Matthew 10, 16, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep into the midst of the wolves. Therefore be wise as serpent and harmless as doves. He laid an expectation. I remember the zeal that I had uh, when I went to Lee University and uh, was in this class on evangelism, Brother Beach, who has now passed away, what a great guy. Man, he, he gave us such inspiration. And, and man, we had like, when you walked out of it, you felt like giants. I'm going to go win the world. And we would go door to door witnessing. And door after door, We'll get slammed in our face. Door after door, we would be talked down to. And who do you think you are? Why are you here? I don't need. Or you have the other, the religious crowd. Why well, I'm Baptist. I didn't say who I was. <laughs> or I'm Methodist. Or I'm this. Or I'm that. And the fact is, is that everybody needs Jesus. Amen. Right? And so it was. It was difficult because we recognized that when we went out into the world, not everybody's going to accept this message. But does that mean we stop? Does that mean that we just, well, this world don't want what Jesus has to offer, so therefore I'm just going to give up. I'll just go dig my own little hole and I'll wait till Jesus comes back to get me. Isn't that the mentality, though, of some? I mean, not to put you in a bad situation but when's the last time you have shared the message of Jesus Christ with someone because if we truly believe this message is as powerful as it really is if we truly believe this message is the message that will cause us 
to keep from going to hell. If this message is what it is, that we know that one of these days when we leave this world, that we will walk on streets of gold. Come on. That we will, that we will have the reward of heaven. How important is it for others to hear the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Look. No matter if a door is slammed or a door is open, it's a seed planted whether they like it or not. Amen? They might not appreciate your words, but I guarantee you they won't forget it. They might not accept it at that moment, but the prayer is, look, some plant, some water, but God brings the growth. You might just be the planner, but it just might be that the door you go by says, hey, I heard something the other day and I want to talk about it. You might be the waterer, right? Like the little guy that I sat down with on the, in front of his apartment and, and he sat there and said, well, I used, to be a, I used to be a Baptist and now I'm a Mormon. He said, I'm really confused. I said, thank you, Jesus, for the water, Right? It just might be that you're the water that comes by that, that grows the seed of truth in their life that helps them turn their eyes to Jesus, the one true Savior that can change their lives. Amen? Amen. I mean, what was it that hindered the community from receiving Jesus? It was unbelief. Verse 6, he wondered at their unbelief. Was he able to do some things? Yes. But how often do we walk around in disbelief? How often do we walk around with a lack of faith? We see the world and we see the corruption and we see all the things happening around us and we, we can say and confidently, Lord, the Lord is coming back soon, Right? But how much does that drive us to recognize that God has sent us into this world so that we can bear a message of Jesus Christ so that the world will not be condemned, but they shall be saved, amen? Jesus himself said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. Is there an urgency to the talk of the end is coming? And if that urgency is so real, what are you doing about it? How are we reaching? How are we touching? How are we sharing the word of God in a world that needs to hear Jesus is the only way, truth, and life? No one comes to the Father but by him. So therefore, if we're not sharing, who's sharing? How pretty are your feet? Somebody said, well, I got a few bunions there, Pastor. The Bible tells us that beautiful are the feet that carry the good news. It's not talking about how beautiful your feet are. But are you carrying the good news? Look, we can hoard it all we want to, but God's called us to be the ones that carry the good news to this world. We can come and we can get our tanks filled. Thank God that this is a filling station, if you will. Well, we come and 
And we get inspired. We come and get encouraged. We come and build each other up on our most holy faith. As we pray in the Holy Spirit, we come to be encouraged to do the work and will of God. But are we going out and fulfilling what we've been encouraged to do? Amen. Oh, me, pastor. Right? Jesus called them and sent them out. He said, take nothing except a staff. I'm looking at this thing. He said, no bag. You know, the, the bag could be considered a knapsack. It could be considered the beggar's bag. I mean, he said, look, don't take the beggar's bag with you. Don't take a cloak, an extra cloak with you, an extra, shh, extra jacket, if you will. And listen to this. Don't put any money in your bag. Wait a minute, Jesus. I got to stop and get some lunch sometime. Right? You know, in Jewish times, you were not to enter the, 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 the tabernacle, if you will, with your staff in your bag because they didn't want any scene of business inside tabernacle but more than that I believe Jesus wanted us to learn how to be dependent on him the other side of that is that sometimes we're so burdened down by the things that we have that we're unable to share the gospel we're so afraid of losing what we've got that we're not willing to give what others need and so when you look at this, he said, look, don't carry your knapsack or your, your beggar's bag. Look, don't carry any bread. As a matter of fact, why would we not carry bread? Because God himself, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. You don't need bread when you've got the bread of life with you. You don't need what the world has when you have something to sustain you. And his name is Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Lord, help us, right? Don't carry the copper. I mean, when you recognize that, that Jesus is the owner of a, the cattle of a thousand hills, when you recognize that he owns it all, if you have need of something, he is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider, he will provide for you. When you go out into the world, don't go heavy laden and burdened by the things that you carry around with you. Go with a simple message of Jesus Christ that he can save, that he can heal, that he can deliver, that he can set you free, that he can put your relationships back together, that all the wounds that you've been wounded by, he can heal you up. Come on, somebody. And you go with a testimony of this is what Jesus did for me. This is how the Lord has helped me. This is how Jesus has healed me. This is how he has sanctified me. This is how he has helped me out of my troubles and trials. And I know if God can do it for me, then he can do it for you. Amen. Amen. I believe that's why he told him just carry a staff. Because the staff is something that helps us remember where we've been. Come on. I can look at the staff and say, man, the Lord has helped me through this trial and this, this storm and this structure and this, this hardship. And I know that if he will help me then, he will help me now. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hmm. 
I told him I wouldn't preach long, so. So y'all come up and play, and I promise that I'm, 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 in, I'm on the first ending. When I look at this, it says, it says, whoever will not receive you, receive you nor hear you. When you depart from there, shake off the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. You know, uh, it, was, it was customary that when they went through Gentile lands, when they got out of that Gentile land, that they would dust their feet off. And what Jesus is literally declaring is that those who don't receive you are just like the Gentiles. Those who don't accept your truth and accept your word, they're just like the Gentiles. Dust your sandals off as a testimony against them. He says, it will be worse for them than Sodom and Gomorrah in that day. Look, you're not there to judge. You're there to Invite them in to a relationship with Jesus. Not everybody's going to receive you. I really, it breaks my heart to hear when somebody doesn't want to know Jesus. It breaks my heart to hear when somebody rejects the truth of Jesus Christ. Because they're not rejecting a religious system. They're not rejecting just some habit that we do on every Sunday. They're rejecting the message that they can be redeemed. They're rejecting the message that Jesus made a way when there was no way. They're saying, I don't want that. Sadly is, is that there's so many who've been deceived. We don't talk about hell anymore, do we? It seems like every funeral I go to or every person that passes away, the first thing that pops up on Facebook, well, they're in a better place, are they? I hope they are. I hope that they have made a relationship with Jesus Christ as the priority of their life. Because the Bible says that, that, that you'll be known by the fruits you bear. And so when someone's not bearing that fruit, it makes me question, are they in heaven? Are they walking in relationship with Jesus Christ? Will they reach the throne room because every knee will bow before the throne of God? But will he say, depart from me, I never knew you? Or will he say, enter in, thou good and faithful servant? Look, we, we have something so powerful that the world needs. A message that can transform lives. We, we're in a world of superheroes these days, right? We got our Batmans and our Supermans and our Spidermans and, 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 and the woman versions of all of them.
But every one of you are the most powerful superhero in the world. I mean, listen to this. Listen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Verse 12. So they went out and preached that people should repent. Verse 13. Listen, listen, listen. And they cast out demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Oh, oh, oh. Look, let's go to Mark chapter 16, verse 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. It didn't say these signs will follow the preachers. It didn't say these signs will follow the prophets or the evangelists or the apostles or the teachers. These signs will follow those who believe. I don't know about you, but I believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they will drink anything. If they drink anything deadly, it will not by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Who's a superhero now? Right? I know we're getting into a season of, of Halloween. And, and, and it, it hurts my heart to know that so many people celebrate unclean spirits. Because when I look at the scripture, Matthew, Mark 6, verse 7, second part says, And he gave them power over unclean spirits. You know, I'm not sure that we recognize or have the ability to discern any longer what's an evil spirit and what's not. Because we have entertained the evil spirit so long and justified our mediocre relationship with God so long that are we powerful enough to be able to overcome the enemy if he shows up? We've been called to go into the world and he is sending us out. He's not sending us out without anything. Yes, you may not have bread. You may not have copper in your belt, but he did say go take your belt. You may not have a bag or a knapsack, but he says I'm sending you with power. I don't know about you, but there's power in the name of Jesus. There's power and authority that God has given those who are willing to walk in Him, those who are willing to believe in Him, those who are willing to say, yes, Lord, I am commissioned and I'm called unto this time and this hour. I will not back down. I will not compromise. I will not walk the way the world walks, but I will stand. When I'm ridiculed, I'll still stand. When I'm condemned, I'll still stand. When, I, when I'm broken and everybody's saying, there are nobody, they're trying to discount me, they're trying to put me aside, I will still stand and say Jesus is the way and there's no other way I will follow him if it means that I've got to die I will follow him because I know that for me to die in this world is gain in the next we've got to be willing look I'm not telling us because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Young people, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not worldly. 
weapons of our warfare are mighty. What is our weapon? Our weapons, prayer. Our weapons, worship. Our weapon is the word of God. Our weapon is the faithfulness of God. And when we will submit to His weaponry, activism will look differently. But the anointing will break the yoke of bondage every single time. It is the anointing that makes the difference. We can be sounding brass and clinging cymbals without love. Or we can find the love of God so deeply, so immensely strong in us that when He sends us, we walk as ambassadors of His love. And we create an atmosphere that is irresistible or is hated. But we have to be willing to carry the message. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I will be with you until the end of the age. He's calling you. You have the message. How many got one of these? You got one? You got a phone? Then you got one of these too. If you have one of these, don't let it just be an app on your phone or a book collecting dust on your shelf. Let it be the message that you carry to impact the world. Let it truly be the sword of the Spirit. And if you're being Spirit-led and it's the Spirit's sword, then He'll teach you how to use it. And let it slay every demonic presence. Cast out the demons. Cast out the influences of the enemy. Walk in the truth and the power of the Holy Spirit. As I'm sending you, Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Who's he talking to? Is he talking to you? He's talking to us. He's talking to you. Young people, I want you to come up here. There's more of them than there are of us. I'm proud of these young people right here. These guys are on a journey together. And I remember being a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor for 12 years. My hat's off to you guys. But but dealing with the emotions, the hormones, and the changing bodies and identification identity Id, trying to find your identity I mean man you just like a little runt when I first got here a lot of you guys were but man you guys are anointed men and women of God 
you guys are the cream of the crop. You guys are powerful in the hands of God. And don't let the emotional struggles, don't let the the hormones of warning, this one looks good and that one looks good, distract you from him looking good. Young people, I want you to stretch your hands toward this congregation. And they, in reciprocation, is going to stretch their hands towards you. I want you to pray for us as we pray for you. God's calling us to a generation. Church, God's calling us to this generation. This generation is being called to serve as we are. Let's pray God's anointing over them. Father, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you for these young people. I thank you, God, that you have called us out of your darkness. You've called us, Lord, for purpose. And Lord, every single day, Lord, it's a, it's a challenge. Every single day, Lord, it, it, is, it is a struggle. It's a struggle. But Lord, I thank you so much that you have not left us, that you've not forsaken us, God, that you're walking with us on this journey. And I pray for an empowerment, as your word says, and an endowment from on high. I pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, God, to rest on these young people. Lord, that they recognize that greater things shall they do in his name. Greater things because they are his servants, because they are his hands and feet in this world. I pray this for this congregation, Lord. Lord, help us to recognize that you have called us for a purpose of reaching this world. And Lord, help the message go forth. Lord, I pray that souls will be saved. I pray that young people and children, Lord, and young couples, God, will come to know you, Lord. That they'll find a place to, to see your presence and be discipled for your purpose. God, I pray for a generation of people in this church to rise up and recognize, Lord, that the enemy has been defeated. We are not walking in fear, but we're walking in the anointing. We're not walking defeated, but we're walking victorious because we are your children, bought with a price. Lord, bless this congregation. Encourage us to be the body of Christ. Lord, help us to carry this message. Paul said it this way, I bear in my body the marks Lord if it means that we bear in our body the marks Lord help us to be so vibrant that the world can't turn us away anoint this church anoint these young people let us walk together to fulfill your purpose in Jesus name Amen Amen you ready to go? Somebody said they're ready to go for lunch, but hey, are you ready to go into this world and be the vessels? Look, I pray that I pray that your social media reflects who you are in Christ. Come on. Whether it's your TikTok or your Instagram or instant messenger. Yeah, instant messenger. 
Facebook, Twitter. May your life reflect who you are in Christ Jesus. And may your message be the message that he's given you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you get out of this place, would you shake a couple people's hands? Let them know you're happy to see them. Amen. Remember to pray for Roy Latham. Can you say one word? And God has always been good to me, very, very good to me, to the point that I don't even understand sometimes why he's so good to me. But I want to share something with you about your manna ministries. For the last three years, I had been trying, well, for a year in the first year of it, I was trying to get on disability. And, of course, any of you that's ever tried that knows you have to go a long time with no job no money to get it because they want to know you're disabled. And uh, during those times, I have come to the manna ministry and gotten food. And it was a blessing to me. And I want to know that you know what you do represents a lot more than just a loaf of bread a jug of milk, but it literally represents God working through you. And even though I was a Christian and I know what it meant, it was still a humbling experience to have to come and accept food that, you know, something that I didn't want to have to do. But it was a blessing to me, and it's also been a blessing to one of my daughters and so I just thank God for that. I thank God for what you all do. But what I want to say to you this morning has to do with God's love. The song they were singing today about how when you're up, he's with you. And when you're down, he's with you. 56 years of knowing God and knowing the love of Jesus Christ. I've had many ups and I've had many downs. There were times that I had thought that I'd fallen completely from the grace of God. But even in those times, he took care of me. And you know, out of 62 years of life, I have never been more grateful for any time in my journey with Christ than these last three years. Because in these last three years, when I've had to humble and come and take food, when I've had to get down on my knees and pray because I didn't know how bills was going to be paid. God has brought me into a place that is closer with him than I have ever been in my life because for the first time in my life, I, I knew God loved me. I knew he did, but I never knew exactly why until one day I was driving to go pick a lady up at the airport that was a very good Christian. I met her while I was doing Uber and, uh, it never failed when I needed money. This lady would call and say, I'm coming in. Can you pick me up at the airport? And she always very richly blessed me. And so I was driving to go get her, and I started crying. And I said, God, why do you love me? 
I do nothing for you. Sometimes I don't even have money to pay my tithes. Sometimes I just, I, I don't teach Sunday school anymore. I don't preach anymore. You know, God, why do you love me like you love me and you provide for me like you have provided for me these last three years? You have been so good to me. And the Lord just spoke to me. And I want you to get this this morning, church. This is, this is important. Pastor preached it a few weeks ago. And he spoke to me, and he said, it's not because of what you do that earns my love. Going to church don't earn God's love. If you think coming to church is going to get you into heaven, you're wrong. If you think paying tithes and giving tithes is going to get you into heaven, you're wrong. Because there's some of the biggest sinners in this world that pay tithes because they know it prospers them. But they're not going to get into heaven because they pay tithes. But God said, this is it, what you just whispered. I love you just because I love you. It's nothing you do. It's just because he loves us. And that sunk in for the first time in 56 years of loving God and knowing he loved me, it sunk into me how much he really and truly loves us. Nothing that we do, but he loves us. Amen. <clears throat> Father, may we walk in a blessing. Lord, may we walk in your favor. Lord, may we understand how much you love us. God, even when we're broken, sometimes we don't know how to receive love. But God, I pray that your love will wrap around us. And Lord, help us as we receive your love to display your love to this world. Thank you for the ministries that we have. Thank you for the opportunities we have to connect and touch this world. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.